0: This City Wire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs, to electric vehicles, to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses, shaping our future economy and society, Scottish Mortgage is considered the flagship trust of Edinburgh-based investment managers Bailey Gifford and is the UK's largest investment trust. As with any investment, please note capital is at risk. To find out more, please visit scottishmortgageit.com
1: Hello everyone and welcome to The Advice Show. From advising clients to practice management, this podcast will give you UK and global insights into the financial planning profession. I'm Chloe, a reporter and new model advisor, and today we are talking about the use of lead generation services in the advice industry and their impact on consumers' trust in advisors. Um, I am joined today by Peter Trotman, Director of Vision Business Advisors, and Alan Desmier, founder of Contact State, an advisor intelligence platform that helps businesses buy better leads thank you both so much for being here um how are you both how was your easter
2: uh, very good um and we now we've got lovely weather so uh yeah it's this week has been uh, contacting people has been interesting because everybody with when soon as you get the sun out and you get a sort of a, a bank holiday weekend the other end so it, all of a sudden everybody's having extended holidays uh so yes it's uh no it's good lovely to have the sun
3: I think the same is true. P- the same is true. Peter of just trying to settle down to do some work. Right, I'm staring out of a lovely, uh, sun- sunny, sunny scene in front of me. It's quite hard to concentrate.
1: Yeah, no, know, it's really lovely. And everyone's in a good mood as well, which is what you want. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so the reason why we're talking about lead generation services today um, on the podcast is because last week, um, an article that I wrote was published on Your Model Advisor, and it details a job that I had as a student. Um, I was working for a telemarketing company whose services were used by St. James's Place Partners. Um, so for those who haven't read it, I'll just go over the main points briefly. Um, so the story essentially provides an inside account of working for lead generator Barnaby Beckett Referrals, um, and it reveals that students uh, from the University of Surrey, so that's where I was studying, were hired to cold call wealthy professionals, mainly lawyers, and get them to book an appointment with an SJP advisor, um, and they were told to call, uh, to, told to say, sorry, that they were calling on behalf of um, SJP. Um, female callers, and it was mostly female callers, had to go by the named Sarah, and we were told to lie about where we obtained um, the leads contact details. Um, And callers were told that their work was a covert operation, that SJP partners were not supposed to use. Barnaby Becker's for services. Um, and Barnaby Becker also asked one caller not to refer to SGP partners as financial advisors on their CV, but simply as IFAs. And students who worked at Barnaby Becker referrals also did not pay income tax and were never given an employment contract. So we can clearly see some murky practices here with the use of cheap student labor and the practice of, of lying and deceiving leads. Um, so, Peter, from the perspective of an advisor, what did you make of this? What was your first initial reaction?
2: Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not per se a, a full-blown financial advisor. I have been a financial advisor, but I helped companies over the last few years with um, looking at lead generation or um, getting uh, new new businesses, etc. cetera. Um, I have had quite a lot of experience with lead generations over the years, um they fall into two categories really and i think um if if the leads if the people who are being contacted know exactly why they're being contacted and everything is up front um then i don't see have an issue with that type of lead at all i think mm-hmm. my concern with the um sjp uh, or not so much sjp but the company working on behalf of the sjp uh partners um was obviously, uh, you know, uh, misinterpreting what the client was going to get. Um, Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm surprised that that type of lead generation still goes on in, Mm -hmm. in some ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) it's interesting, um, definitely to see that this is not only online um, generation as well as called calling, which seems a little bit old school, but apparently, Mm. it was going on still fairly recently. Um, And so Alan, from your perspective, as um, a lead generation expert, um, what did you think?
3: I mean look let's 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 be very clear it's not just it's not just a bit uncomfortable it's illegal it's a breach of so many different regulations it's a breach of cold calling of marketing and it's and it's not lead gen i think this is peter peter quite 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 um correctly just called it out lead gen is where a consumer knows they're going to get a, a phone call back where they've consented that they've consented they've submitted their details and said please call me back with a service I think you know I've I've written a lot, a lot and talked a lot about this sort of murky side of lead generation which sort of hides hides as, as lead gen uh, it's bad for the consumer it's bad for the financial services industry and it's and it's bad ultimately for the for the brands that are behind or oh, being sold these leads because it's a breach of so many different regulations and I think we need a much clearer we need a much clearer industry accepted practice of what is and isn't a lead and then the owner should be on the companies that are buying these leads to do proper due diligence over the partners they're working with. I was deeply shocked by your your article mm-hmm. because this is, as I say, this is this is a breach of so many different regulations.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how do you think the use of those lead generation um, services impact trust in in the inv- in the advice industry?
3: Look, first of all, a consumer that is missold to is a consumer that's less likely to buy now or in the future. So you're damaging you're damaging trust in a consumer that that that, that is seeking out a financial product. But I think then there's there's a element which Peter will be far more um, experienced than I will be to talk about about mis-selling, selling consumers is the wrong product. I mean, this is this is what we should be protecting consumers from this type of mis-selling.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I look at it as. Uh... Most uh, advisor firms I deal with which are IFA based, um they actually don't need clients. In fact, a lot of them now are looking at it and saying, Well, you know, I've got more than enough clients, and they're in some cases streamlining their businesses, um, because they, they want to give their clients a good service, uh, and, and to deliver that, they want to make sure that there's uh that that service is is done, and they've got the capacity to deal with clients. And in a lot of cases, they don't need any more clients. I would also say, from experience, that these type of lead generation, or say lead, it's not a lead; it's just a phone number. Is that going to be what I would lead? Would is that going to go into a client? Is that going to be going to become a client for your business, or is it going to be a transactional? Uh, sale where the guys just need a product Uh, whether it's the right product or not I don't know and then you never see them again because you know I always go by referrals because if you get referrals from your existing clients then the chances are those referrals are going to be stick uh, and and be good clients going forward Um, it does surprise me and would why would a company just want to get names and numbers which is as alan has already said it's it's not a lead and it is it's misleading it's it's just somebody who's just happened to say yes i'll speak to this individual or i'll have a meeting or whatever um yeah Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. And um, what's interesting as well is that it's not the first time that CityWire has broken stories on on the murky practices of online lead generators. My colleague, Laura, in particular, has led multiple investigations uh, over the years into these businesses and the advice firms that use them. And I was just wondering, Alan, along which lines can we differentiate between legitimate lead generation and I guess what we could call dodgy lead generators?
3: Yeah no and, and and Laura's done a fantastic job of of, of writing about the path I I spoke on Ian Horne's podcast with Laura last month about, about exactly about about this topic and and the way you the way you can differentiate is to know with certified proof where a consumer is coming from so I think uh, it, it, there's t- there's two ways in which which firms can, can can protect themselves one they should never buy a lead unless they can see independent proof that the consumer has consented to be contacted, um, and that's part of the work that that I do for firms, which is we are we are we are sort of capturing the consent that the consumer has given to be contacted back. I think there's something more than that, though. I think I think firms, financial services firms, advice firms, are guilty of just saying yes when someone shows up and says, oh, "I'm going to sell you leads." And I think, especially with the FCA's new consumer duty, it's the onus is now on networks and large financial services firms and all financial services firms to ask really difficult questions of the firms they're working with where are these leads coming from who are the directors can i see your landing pages can i see your adverts i think in the past the tradition has been to sort of buy leads over a sort of boozy lunch oh yeah you'll give me 100 leads and maybe we'll convert 20 of them that's not treating customer data with respect actually i think we need to professionalize this sector and and there are there you know particularly in life insurance there's been some great moves forward to do this. Um, And I think this sort of the advice sector is now slightly catching up with some of those challenges.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I mean, I I spoke to a firm actually last year who um, were supplying leads on behalf of a company I was working with. Um, And they were in the life assurance marketplace. But the nice thing with that is the client had gone online, looked for life assurance, uh, and, and they put particularly pitched for say young families young younger sort of new uh, new parents sort of the so the and they went through quite a few questions do you want life cover why do you want it etc uh do you want to speak to somebody about life cover and it took them through three or four fields I was quite impressed, so that client um you know. Said, yes, I want to speak to somebody. Tick the box to say, yeah, I'm happy to have my phone number. You you know, and for, so I think that's a really good, the client's aware, they're going to get phoned up by somebody who's going to talk to them about life cover. I I think that's a great way. And as Alan says, you know, they're, they're, the, the, A, the firm knows why they're phoning the client and the client knows why the firm are phoning them. Got absolutely no issues with that because they've consented. Both parties are happy um it's it's the murky reason of just naming a number and there's not really a a, a proper uh plan as to why the individual is being phoned
1: And so, Alan, you mentioned earlier that it was not only uncomfortable, but also illegal. The stuff that um, happened. Um, Can you walk us through with the regulation or the kind of regulatory landscape or or like thereof there is around lead generation in the advice industry right now?
3: Yeah, so I think lead generation as as a as a specific thing isn't particularly regulated, and that's where lots of the Mm. problems have come to. Lead generation has been a bit of an inconvenient. Truth for the FCA, they've never really got to grips with what it is and who's doing it. But I think as 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 the as the industry has matured, so the the ICO have some very clear rules about how you're able to call consumers back. I mean, you cannot cold call consumers in the, for example, the pensions and investments industry. You can't. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's and there are a number of companies that have been fined for doing that. I think uh, one of the things that the ICO is very clear about is you have to have documented evidence and proof that this consumer. Consented to be called, and I think that's if I if there are listeners listening to this podcast thinking, well, how do I protect myself? That's the first step. Um, when you're when you're working with new lead generators, what what evidence do you have? What's what's their terms and conditions? You know who has the permission? I think one of the things wider than that is the FCA are asking, and this is particularly relevant now for uh, changing the AR regime. The FCA are asking firms to provide evidence of the due diligence they've done into their lead generation partners. And I think that is where firms are going to have to have a lot more documented evidence that they have done the proper research and due diligence. Finally, the, the Advertising Standards Authority, the ASA, are making an increasing number of rules uh, rulings against lead generators that mislead uh, consumers into to, into into a you know uh, claiming that they're getting one cent service when really they're getting a sort of a quite a spammy callback. And there's some there's some threat and some some danger for firms that buy leads that they would by accident appear on those rulings because they're buying leads. Again, it's why you should never buy a lead unless you've got oversight of the advertising and also the landing page the consumer is is calling on. And I would go further. I just would never buy a lead in the way in which. The way in which you've described, right, where you're, where someone's on the phone, and they're being, they're being pushed through. If you're doing that as a regulated business and you haven't taken your due diligence steps, then, then quite frankly, you deserve to be fined. You deserve to, to everything that comes through that. So, I think that's the. I can't stress enough that firms that are buying leads right now need to be significantly increasing their oversight and their due diligence into their marketing partners and the paths that are used.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think. Sorry, Pete. Oh, no, you... Sorry, I'll, uh, I'll keep for a No, go go ahead if you wanted to add something. Well, no, I I,
2: I absolutely agree with Alan what what he's saying. Um, the uh, the old days where you, you know I had situations where people business one of the businesses I was running I'm going back several years where um what the directors decided to use a lead generation company. And uh, we used to find that the leads had been sort of sold two or three times, and the advisors are picking the phone up, and and uh, it was people, it would say for mortgages or something like that or life protection. It was you know the, they would say, well, we'll better your price you've got on your mortgage, and the people are on a really good fixed rate, and and so the the advisor would you know speak to them or go out on the appointment, uh, and then turn up, and then find that. Uh, the, the rate you couldn't get anywhere near that rate but the, the people have been sold the idea that we know this this company just to get the appointment will will better whatever deal you're on at the moment which was absolutely ridiculous because it was unqualified uh, and it just caused a lot of wasted time um, I mean thankfully I don't think those 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 sort of firms are out there however um that it it might be from what your you know your story last week, I was I was shocked actually still. So there there are still you know murky dealings out there. Whether whether um, and this is one for Alan, I think, but whether by phoning professionals, um, so by phoning say a, a solicitor, or by phoning somebody an accountant, or phoning somebody in a business environment um whether they're these firms are trying to get round the um uh, yeah you know so i'm saying yeah, that's exactly uh, whether right. they're that's trying exactly. to get round the consumer right. angle exactly. so so they're not phoning up mr you know they're not phoning up this chap at home um they're phoning him in his office and 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 if they get a, if they get somebody knocks on the door and say hang on a minute guys you'll you know you
3: are
2: phoning wrong you know they could just say well it's
3: business to business so and, and I think, look, that's, I think exactly what they're doing, Peter. And I think the solution to that is, and, and, I, and I say this to a number of different industries all the time, is we've got to call out this practice, okay? Because if we allow it to go on, what it creates is an un, a, a sort of an unlevel playing field for the legitimately generators, of which there are many who are trying to generate Good customers who are seeking financial advice. If we allow bad practice to go on, it essentially undercuts those, 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 those lead generators. For example, I believe that if you if you are touching a financial promotion and you're trying to generate a financial promotion for a regulated financial product, I believe that lead generator should be directly authorized. I think they're they're creating financial promotions which which otherwise would, would, would want to be scrutinized by the FCA. And I think I think it's probably time for this conversation now of the financial advice industry thinking. And discussing in itself, where's the line? What's an acceptable lead? And and how and how are we gonna and how are we gonna create that? You know, we're having these discussions with the the equity release industry right now, exactly the same type of type of conversation. Where's the where do we draw the line between good and bad lead generation and how do we separate those two?
2: Mm, absolutely. And if you look at some of the big miss selling over the last two or three years there's always a, an introducer slash lead generation firm behind it um we've had the the bond uh, uh yeah. capital uh, you know in, which was LCS. was that 200 million or whatever um again there's a lead generation company slash introducer i think they get they they use the word introducer uh, same with british steel pensions um, but actually, it's not really an introducer. It's a, it's a lead generation machine. But w- with the, where they've made it look um, by calling it an introducer, it, it makes it look more professional. But it actually, it's the same. It's, it's the same wine, but in a different bottle. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so how do you think those advice firms that use those lead generation services and kind of find those loopholes with the, the B2B thing that you mentioned, how should those firms be held accountable, in your opinion?
3: Well, I think there's, there's, there's probably two ways of, of looking at this. First of all, it's the internal accountability. I think, I think, you know, marketing departments, compliance departments now need to be asking questions of, where do our leads come from? Because they, they should be asking those questions as though as though the FCA was sat on top of them asking them. So I think you, we then need to have, uh, you know, DA firms asking asking tough questions of their AR partners, for example. Where do you source your data from? Let's review it. Because I think, look, I work with some of the biggest financial services firms in, in insurance and in mortgage Um You can do lead generation legitimately. You just got to be robust with the questions you ask your partners. And so I think there needs to be a sea change. I don't think the advice industry has really been tough enough on itself about asking these questions for the first part. And then secondly, I think it's up to the FCA to hold people accountable. Like if you buy leads, where are they coming from? Show me evidence that you've got customer consent. I think if you did those two things, I think quite quickly you could clear up this sort of issue yeah
2: absolutely agree um and the uh the business to business is an angle which you you can you know a- a- ask questions where they come from i think the issue where it becomes is where you've got a um a da firm or well, they don't have to be directly authorized as in the uh sjp partners situation but um if they are in very much uh cahoots or whatever word you want to use with the lead generation slash introducer firm then um, they're, they're the type of firms where we are still going to see this, these things happening where they're too close in fact they're you know director of the the financial services firm is, is also a director of the lead generation firm or something like that or there's you know very strong links um, and, and, and that needs to be you know there needs to be a, a, an absolute line drawn between the lead generation firm and the regulated or or uh, advisor firm that you know there can't be any links apart from doing business Um, so that'd be another way Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and i think we saw um on the story a lot of comments um on the website and on twitter um were essentially saying where's where's the fca what's the fca doing um so what should be the fca's role in this situation and uh, can we expect regulation to come from them soon
3: I mean, you saw in their business plan last week, um, financial promotions was me- mentioned several times. Um, they've made it a very specific aim over the next 12 months to to look into uh, the approval of financial promotions and the approval of marketing partners. So it's on their radar. Uh, Peter mentioned um, the LCF bond scandal. A lot of the sort of reactive regulation that we're seeing in things like funeral planning, has been uh, has been caused by lead generation has been caught call- and, and it has now being reacted to so i, I think uh, you know i i i i expect in the very very near future there will be some some level of uh lead generation register where you'll where you'll have there'll have to be a sort of declared 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 interest that you're generating leads and for which products um i think we're moving to that that we're almost moving to that that path now um i i do think that one of the things that the the FCA need to 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 get right and invest in is their own understanding of this idea of external lead generation. Because still, when I read documents, when I read um, when I read press releases, I still don't think they quite get it that there's external lead generation firms that aren't authorised. They still push that regulation down onto the buying firm, and so there's probably some more expertise that needs needed in Canary Wharf to sort of to, to understand the exact customer journey.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think any lead generation firm needs to be uh have some sort of regulation so if you if you're going to get into the um yeah. financial marketplace and if you're going to speak to clients uh, or not clients but people that you're going to push sell to a a third party um you need to be registered in some way and prove yes. that you've got some you you can tick a box to say that yes we understand what the rules and regs are um i don't think that is there at the moment uh it wouldn't be difficult to do uh, no. As Alan says, just just have a simple register of lead generation firms and and before you even go into the marketplace and I put introducers on that because I think lead generation slash introducers it used to be a very defined um gap But you had people who phoned up trying to get leads off of uh, members of the public uh and then you had introducers which could be uh say a an estate agent to a financial services firm that would introduce a legitimate client and say, "Look, this is this chap's interested in in a mortgage, or this they're interested. They also want to look at their pensions while they're buying their house." Um, but I think what what some of the murkier uh, lead generation firms have suddenly called themselves, "introducers," um, to to try and get get round uh that sort of lead generation because it's it doesn't sound as good as oh i'm an introducer
3: it's a really great p- point about language peter is really really great and really important and relevant to this i think we need a clarification of what the language is. So when I talk about lead generation, I talk about online lead generation where a consumer has gone online, they've responded to an advert, they've filled in a content rich form with several details, and they've consented to be called. In my language, that's what a lead is. That's a that's an on, an online lead. Now, what's happened in this process is, you know, think consumers that are cold called and forced onto phone calls, they're also called leads. And I think the industry as a, at large, we, we need to define what we, we consider lead generation to be because actually what you've described chloe in what in, in your article last week that's not lead gen that's cold calling and i think we should call mm. it as cold calling um and i think we should be clearer with how we describe uh this activity
1: yeah definitely and um so i know we touched on it um, a little on this a little bit earlier. I just wanted to come back to it. But how should advisors approach lead generation? Lead generation. What are some of the ground rules that they need to to keep in mind?
3: They need to ask for certified proof of where the lead is coming from. Um, so they need to be able to understand the exact landing page the consumer has applied on, not just not just the uh, the compliant one they're being shown. And there, and there are various ways you can you can you can look to do that. I think. The the second point I would say is they need to inform them uh, firms that are buying leads need to spend some time informing their own oversight process. So what what does their ICO number say? What does their company's house say? Have they checked through those various details? Have they checked through uh, references, for example? Um, And I think people need to take lead generation just a lot more seriously. Uh, I think there's always been this thing about lead generation where it's sort of the, the Glenn Gary Glenn Moss, Ross model where leads are sort of treated as things that are inanimate objects that are in buckets that you fish out of well that's not how lead generation works lead generation is advertising and you sh- if you were taking on a new advertising agency you would put them through all sorts of pitch processes and due diligence well the industry at large if you want to avoid the sort of stuff that you've been reporting on the industry needs to take this process and the due diligence process much more seriously
2: yeah yeah absolutely agree and I think if there's if they can uh, put a register together um, with leads, and I think you made a very good point, Alan. Is tracking a lead back as to how how that lead uh, came about. To so it's not a case of yeah, okay, we'll take those, take ten leads from you, we'll buy them at whatever fifty pounds, one hundred and fifty pounds, or uh, the going rate for a you know a pension lead is yeah. X. Uh, but actually, no. And also so the client potential client knows exactly why they've 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 gone through a process to get to a financial advice firm to contact them. And that's the key thing. Um, uh, because the cold calling bit is, is just so it, it's well, a it's wrong on so many ways. Uh, but I've got no issue. I've got no issue if Somebody is taking somebody down and say a decision tree process, and at the end of it, they're going to be contacted by a financial advice firm. But so if the regulator comes along and says, "Well, what? Why are you talking to this individual? You've got a decision tree as to yeah, this is at the top. This is why they were contacted. They said yes to this, and it takes them down through. So you've got that route map, Um, and I don't think, uh, 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 as Alan said, there's there's not enough of that in the marketplace.
3: And, and I think, look, I just, just, I think there are other sectors that have dealt with this first. So, as I say, if you if you go to go and type type life insurance and type misleading lead generation generation into protection, for example, you'll see a range of stuff that the protection industry has been doing to exactly tackle this sort of issue. So, it's not, it's not, it's, the answer is out there. Uh, you know, it really is.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, I had just one last question: Are you? Um, are you ultimately optimistic about the future of, of lead generation in the advice industry? Do you think we're moving more towards something that's more transparent and that has due diligence at its core? Are you what what kind of um, perspective do you have on on the future of that?
3: Listen, I am Chloe. I'm a, I haven't declared this, but I'm a poacher turned gamekeeper. I spent. 10, 15 years generating generating life insurance and health insurance leads. And when I sold that business, I wanted to start a business, that's my business now, Contact State, that essentially acted as, as something of a uh, a checker of what was going on because I was sick and tired of the fraudulent element in this in this industry succeeding. And so clients that work with me now we are uh, contact state is integrated on about 70 different lead generation forms online and we record the exact journey and we take a screenshot of the exact landing page that the consumer has been used now i was told repeatedly you'll never make that work lead generators won't won't agree to it but actually what's happened in the way that we've built our business is that the good lead generators have said yeah absolutely i've got nothing i've got nothing to hide and actually i want those big contracts where i'm doing things legitimately so it will take one or two big financial advice firms to take this seriously and take oversight seriously. But honestly, I think um, from what I've seen in other industries like health insurance and mortgage and life insurance, um, when you get the good players together, there's a real um, incentive to change, if that makes sense.
2: Absolutely. I think it's great. And I think there's a, the, you know, the uh, lead generation marketplace. Uh, if I was a firm and somebody's pitched up and said, look, these are 10 leads here, and they've gone through um, a journey to get to... To me, and I know it's a, a, a journey that I can see the client, you know, it's all about the individual wants to speak to me, I want to speak to them, and it, and, and they've got a map of how they got there. And I would be more than happy to uh, to, to use those companies. So companies, and I think it's good for the business and good for, good for all, everybody, good for the prospective client, good for the lead generation firm, and also good for the uh, regulated firm.
1: Well, Peter and Alan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with us about this episode, we're on Twitter at New Model Advisor, or feel free to get in contact with me directly. I'm Melly M-E-L-E-Y, at citywire.co.uk. Um, thanks again, everyone, and we will see you next week.
0: This Citywire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies. From healthcare breakthroughs, to electric vehicles, to a green energy revolution, Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. As with any investment, capital is at risk.